Hi, and welcome to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that are learning from the past, looking to the future, and succeeding today because of it. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. I was at a conference not too long ago, a social media conference, and one of the keynote speakers, turns out one of the best keynote speakers at the conference, was a gentleman by the name of Jordan Bauer. Jordan talked to us about the power of storytelling to pull people together and how in today's age of social media, which seems to be creating ever weaker links between humans, uh, storytelling was more important than ever. Well, uh, his talk was absolutely magnetic. I had to meet this guy. And one thing led to another, and I've got Jordan on the air today. Jordan, welcome. Thanks, Mark. I'm really glad to be here chatting with you about stories. Awesome, awesome. Well, I, you know, the, the story you told when you were on stage was just captivating. It was unbelievable. You could have heard a pin drop in that place. It was really something. Thank you. So, uh, you know, I, I'm curious, though, you know, uh, we live in an age where storytelling seems to become be becoming the new mantra for brands. Um, are we drowning in a sea of stories? Is, is there too much storytelling going on? I think the bigger issue is around what we define as a story. I mean, the reason why brands are jumping on the storytelling bandwagon is they suddenly have their own soapbox to use. And not just one soapbox, but a cross-media soapbox. So a brand can tell a story that is engaging and time-based, whereas even 10 or 15 years ago, a brand would have to pay a lot of money to get media time. Right. So suddenly, with access to all of this time, everybody's thinking about, well, what do I do to occupy it? And I think what we know as storytellers is that attention is so valuable And if you're going to take someone's attention, whether it's for 30 seconds or whether it's for three hours, then do something useful with it. And what we see out there in the world right now is that so many brand storytellers are just filling space and are basically stepping up to the microphone and saying, um, is this thing on? You know, and, and I think that that level of storytelling is what has confused us about what a story really is. A story at the deepest level is something that's an expression of meaning. And it's one of the, the oldest tools that we have as human beings for talking about what we care about, what we value, what we envision ourselves to be, and what we hope to be. And I think when storytelling can rise to that level again, then we're going to find a new magnetism that comes out of story. Now, hold on a minute here. Um, you're talking about something that is a very, very human quality, uh, a man's search for meaning. I don't think there could be anything that defines humanity more than that. And, and we're going to apply that to soap powder and deodorant? How does that even work? <laughs> Well, I think what's happening in the world right now is that there's been so much transition as a, as a result of technology. And so anywhere you go in the world, we have new visions, we have new ideas about who we can become. And if you spin it negatively, there's a lot of transition from what our grandparents had done. There's very few people who are left on the whole planet, which is mind-boggling to think about when you consider it. There's very few people on the whole planet who can go to their grandparents and do the same work that their grandparents did. Mm-hmm. And so there's this massive transition, and a way to, to conceptualize it is it's a massive identity crisis. We're all going through a new adolescence in the world, and we see the manifestations of that in culture, whether that's pop music or hipsters or any of this kind of stuff. It's all about grappling with new identity and kind of the positive spin to that and the negative spin to that. And so what's happening with soap, with, with soap companies and deodorant companies and just about everyone else who's got a voice is they're speaking to people who are very scared and are looking for leadership. 
Mm-hmm. And so the opportunity for a brand suddenly transitions from just shilling your, your product to actually creating an engaged community and engaged tribe. And so that's why from a storytelling perspective, storytelling is so interesting to so many brands now because they're seeing that what they're selling isn't just a product, but it's the story around the product that helps to unify people, create a sense of community, and ultimately create a sense of deep involvement that will keep that person uh, coming back over time and build deeper, longer-lasting relationships. Now you just touched on something right there. You, You brought up the word tribe. You brought up the word tribe, and and, uh, there is one other area where I've heard the word tribe used again and again and again, and that is social media. Social media, the tool for creating your tribe. Now, in your talk, which was absolutely amazing, you talked about the the danger of social media in in, uh, sort of cocooning people inside an alternate reality when, in fact, uh, you know, we need as a society to to be exposed to the bad things, the good things that are real, uh, that really tie us together as a society, the real tribe. Can you dig into a little bit of what you touched on in your speech where you, you said, you know, there's uh, there's the sort of the false uh, sense of tribe, which comes from social media, and the real sense of tribe, which comes with, from all the, the highs and the lows and the, the love and the fear of living in the real world? Wow, it's a, it's a deep question, and there's a lot there. Um, just to break it down, to start off with, there is a lot of power in creating a sense of a following or a sense of a community. And we see that whether we're talking about celebrities or whether we're talking about brands, there's a real excitement around going out to the world and creating a sense of belonging. And you look at some of the, 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 the things that have been hits on social media, and they've always been really tribal in the sense of everybody experiencing the same thing at the same time. Whether it's something that's real, like a revolution in, in Egypt or Tunisia a couple of years ago, where the, the experience of watching that and participating that on the, in that in social media was so enlivening for people all over the world, the Occupy movement as well. Mm-hmm. Or to more recently, something like the Ice Bucket Challenge that happened last year, where the ALS Society raised $100 million out of individual donations from people dumping buckets of ice on their head. What we're seeing is this real need to be connected and for the receptivity of guidance. And the power there with social media is that you can express a vision very quickly that engages people. Mm-hmm. The kind of flip side to this, though, is that we really need to look at wh- where people are using social media and how they're using social media. Mm-hmm. I know that when I go out into the world, I can often see people who are these prototypical web users who are sitting in front of their phone while waiting for the bus or smoking a cigarette and having a coffee at the same time that they're looking at their phone. Mm-hmm. There's this obsessiveness to the way that we use the web and social media in particular. And in any form of obsessiveness or any form of addiction, whether that's something as drastic as drugs or alcohol or whether something that's as relatively benign as something like workaholism, is all about a means to try to control inner pain. And so when I look out to the world and I see all of the social media use, my my associated question is, well, what's the pain here? It's not to judge the pain one way or the other, but it's just to start thinking about what is it that's happening to our society that we're dying so much to be on social media and to express ourselves in this world, as opposed to some of the more traditional forms of communication, like getting together in person or being in touch with ourselves. So that's the the nut that I'm really concerned about unpacking. That's that's fascinating, you know, because I I know it in myself. I, I try to stay away from 
my phone as much as possible. But I know that when I'm in a setting standing around with a bunch of people, it, it, it feels... Uh, like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, Bilbo Baggins reaching for the ring, and and the the phone makes me invisible, and I can cocoon with the phone and 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 be somewhere else. But at the same time, you know, when I'm sitting there and I'm having coffee with my wife, and she grabs her phone, and and I'm just going, man, that's such a hostile move, you know, because here I am, the real world, and and she'd prefer to go, you know, text with her friend, even though it's just a, like a quick ping back and forth. But you just go oh man, there's something wrong here. I'm not good enough for the conversation or, you know, the reality isn't good enough. Uh, it's, it, it's, it's a strange feeling. It feels so good when you're doing it, but it feels so weird when you're on the outside watching it. Yeah, we can see from the way social media works that it's all predicated on adrenaline. And adrenaline works based on anticipation. And so when I log into Facebook and I see that little red icon at the top with my notifications or a new friend request, instantly my adrenaline skyrockets because I'm thinking about who is this going to be and what's that, you know, what, what are the consequences of this? And inevitably when I click on it and discover, like I basically unpack the Christmas present, it's always relatively disappointing because the anticipation is always better than the reward. And that's actually a deep storytelling trope. That's not something that Facebook or social media invented. That's something we know in storytelling is that you always want to construct stories that shoot arrows forward towards the end of the story. So if I'm telling a story and I say, well, this really crazy thing happened when I got to the end of the block. But before I tell you that, I want to tell you, you know, such and such. Mm -hmm. Immediately your curiosity gets piqued because you're playing on anticipation. And so when we, when we live in this world of consistent anticipation and consistent kind of adrenaline hits, we end up with basically adrenal fatigue. We get so tired of it, and then we get so hooked on it that we just want more and more and more. It's coffee addiction, but it's coffee addiction manifest through these devices. Well, that sounds so promising. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean... Storytelling is as, as old as time itself. Uh, how do you see storytelling evolving, or is it evolving, or is it just getting back to basics and it's never really changed? Well, I think what's interesting and changing is that our archetypes, our relationships to these kind of grander ideas about who we are as individuals and who we are in society are morphing. And I think what we're seeing is new archetypes are arriving that have never existed before. So you look at issues like gender, for example. Mm -hmm. It used to be up until 10 or 15 years, there were some very specific archetypes around gender relationships. But now quite clearly as a, as a society and potentially as a globe, we're now exploring these new types of relationships around gender. And so we're going to start to see, and we, we can start to see, the way that new archetypal characters will emerge from these different, these shifting um, ideas around gender. The same thing around ideas around work, the same thing around ideas around government or around family or around culture. These are all related to the shifting identity that has come out of our access to each other through the internet. And wow. media is so powerful because you know, I, I'm sitting in front of this device that can show me anywhere in the world and any time in history. When you think about that, that that's something that's, that humans could never have conceived of before. Before, up until 100 years ago, 50 years ago, all the information in the world was stored in these places called libraries. Mm -hmm. And so when you went into a library, and maybe you still have this experience, for, this memory from 10 or 20 years ago, you remember the smell of the books or that sound of people flipping pages or that shh of the librarian? None of that exists anymore because now we have access to so much knowledge and so much wisdom and so much time. 
And so that's really disconcerting for us, or it's disorienting rather, because now we're having to figure out who we are in a totally new relationship to space and time. I don't mean that to sound too philosophical, but I think that when we dig down into the social media relationship, what we like about it is it brings us back to what's happening right now. Someone just posted. Something is just happening. And so it eases us out of these kind of grand questions of who are we and what's going to happen in the future and kind of like, like a child, it puts a sucker back in our mouth and lets us um, suck on the pacifier for a little while. Right. And so I think, yes, there is a, a, a yearning for some simplicity or at least some order. And the irony here is that there is no order to be found. And, and I think that that's the real, the real difficult part for so many of us to grapple with is that when we look and think about our grandparents, there was a relative simplicity in the, the, the structure of their life. Most of them knew they were going to be something or found the thing they were going to be, and then that was it. They were a doctor. They were a dentist. They were working in a certain job. They did, they did their thing, and that was their role for better or for worse. But suddenly we're exposed to so many options and so much, so, such a significant canvas on which we can each paint our lives that the, the opportunity and the authority and permission that comes with it is so daunting that some of us would rather put the covers over our head and hide in the bed rather than have to make a choice on our own and reap the kind of social consequences. And we see that on social media too, that it's much easier to be snarky and, and to kind of say, yeah, I hate that guy. I hate this. I hate that. I love this. I love that. Than to develop a real perspective and to say something that can open you up to criticism. Well, there's been no shortage of ink uh, when it comes to online trolling and online criticism and people lashing out in ways that they, they wouldn't norma- normally do in, in real life. And, uh, you know, I, we talked about that uh, at the conference as well. And, and you said, you know, the thing is the, the people that are lashing out are people just like you and me. They, they, they do, there is some damage there, but they feel liberated by, by social media and anonymity that they can, you know, go have a go at other people and, and feel like nobody's going to catch them. In a moment-to-moment basis, yeah. But we also have to consider what the consequences of that are. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's going to go troll and write, you know, I hate you, this is stupid, you're a whatever, fill in the, mm-hmm. the expletive there, is probably someone who's dealing with some serious stuff in their life. And it doesn't mean that it's justified in the slightest. But I, I always find it interesting when news sites quote people on Twitter as if they have a perspective. Mm-hmm. Just because someone wrote something and has a name attached to it doesn't mean that we understand. Like, what if this is a teenager who's writing something? Mm-hmm. If a teenager put up a hand in, in a workshop session, then we would all hear that what that teenager had to say through a certain lens. Mm-hmm. But when we're online, that lens is removed. So we don't actually know who this person is, where they're coming from, whether they're inebriated at the time. Like, Think of all the different states one can be in in engaging with media. We have no idea who this person is, where they're coming from. Wild, wild stuff. Now, you you mentioned something um, about storytelling too, and about the the necessity of us to connect as 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 humanity and and hold together. You you brought up uh, bad actors like Jan Gomeshi, the the disgraced CBC radio host, and and how you know that that is real. People like that are real. They're all around us, but we we try our best, or we are isolating ourselves from people like that through social media. But what we need is storytelling to sort of explain horrors like that and, and put them in context. There will always be bad guys. There's always going to be boogeymen. There's always going to be heroes. There's always going to be average shows. And stories help us get our, a grip on that stuff. Uh, and social media, not so much. Maybe you can go into that a bit. 
Yeah, well, the the magic with storytelling, especially deep and ancient storytelling, no matter what culture you come from, is that the, there was always a either a, a meaningful lesson. So, you know, you kind of have these fable stories that would tell you about Chicken Little, and they would always be allegorical and help you understand the rules of the culture or the rules of the society or the way the world works. You also had this other set of stories that were called mythological, and those were meant to be metaphors for what was happening inside of us. So in our, in our psyches, in our hearts, in our souls, those were some of the ideas that were expressed through story. And through, the, through listening to these stories and ultimately learning how to tell these stories, we were able to locate ourselves in relationship to other people, other ideas, and these kind of inner forces, this fight between good and evil, which has been as core to the idea of being human as being human itself. Now what's happening is that the shock value of stories gets so much attention and the attention drives advertising dollars. And so the most of the stories that we're consuming are stories that are intentionally meant to be shocking. You look at the story that happened recently with this this 21-year-old kid in South Carolina who shot up, who slaughtered nine people at the church. Like that story is a deep archetypal story, and what it can really do is help to inform us about what it means to be human and what our relationships can be with each other in a real deep sense. But it's so easy to sensationalize that story and to either be outraged or to justify or all this back and forth. And that battle between the kind of good and evil is a story, is a, is a gossipy, dramatic story that can go on forever. So I think the power of storytelling is to help reground and recontextualize so when we see things like this, we can feel as opposed to judge, and then from that find our understanding and meaning. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, my passion is, is building future-proof brands, brands that are resilient enough and have the right stuff so that they can actually thrive in the, the chaotic world of today and probably the more chaotic world of tomorrow. And, and you just hit on a, a very vital point, uh, you know, the whole idea of, of, of acclimatizing us to the, the realities of what our world is like and creating archetypes that we can look at and go, okay, there's always going to be this type of guy, that type of guy, and retelling those stories to our children so they get grounded and feel they're ready for the world. Um, are there any other elements that will help me build a future-proof story and, you know, create a story that's as timeless as, as Beowulf as opposed to, you know, something as confused and weird as Eyes Wide Shut? Or Kim Kardashian. Kim Kardashian, exactly. God bless her. You know, what will help me create a timeless story if I'm a brand steward and I want to wrap my product in a, in a really good story? Well, I think, first of all, there is a science to storytelling. A story isn't just this happened and that happened and then this happened. There's building blocks to stories. And so one of the first steps I use when I work with brands, organizations, is I take the content they have and break it down to discover what the underlying values are. Every story starts with discovering the heart of the story. And the heart of the story is the lesson the audience will learn by participating in it. So by discovering that lesson, and maybe this is a, an old lesson about a, a mythological lesson that you can pull out as a brand, from there you can restructure the story to, to tell that lesson or teach that lesson and weaving your characters, your plot lines, your facts back into it. We see this all the time in Hollywood where people will take old Shakespeare stories and then recast them in new forms. Mm-hmm. The one I used during um, the workshop was I talked about The Lion King. The Lion King, of course, is a wildly successful movie from about 20 years ago, but that story is actually the story of Hamlet, 
right? Mm-hmm. It's a story of the father dies prematurely. There's the bad uncle. There's the the relationship with the mother. The young prince runs away. Those are there's the ghost character. There's it's the, more, the comic relief. There's the yeah. Ga- there's the, the comic gassy warthog. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very easy to understand archetypal story, and it still works. So when you're basing your stories on these deep insights that still work, then there's a great opportunity to build from there and to align your brand with these values. Now, maybe you're not the kind of brand that's going to want to align with Hamlet, but what storyline do you want to align with? Well, there so could I be, think, I mean, there could be Boy Meets Girl, which is timeless. There could be, uh, you know, High Noon, the the average Joe steps forward to defend the town when nobody else will. There's, there's you know, there's no shortage of fantastic stories out there. And some of the stories that we like best are redemption stories. If you look at Tiger Woods or you look at, you know, Lance Armstrong, again, is going to get his redemption in mm-hmm. this year or next year at some point, because that's part of the way that we as a society organize ourselves and understand ourselves is by getting really angry about something and then finding it in our hearts to forgive. So when you find these common storylines as a brand, it's a great place to start from. And then once you're there, you're at the beginning of this journey and the, the luxury and the magic with storytelling is that each story can be told differently, can be different every time. And so the invitation to brand storytellers is once you kind of have your foundation set, then you have to set off on this journey of creativity. And that's where a lot of the fear comes up for an organization because once you start down this journey, you don't know where you're going to go. So you have to find that way to integrate the, the not knowing of creativity with the groundedness of here are the principles that we're standing on and we trust in these principles. And by trusting in these principles, we're going to sustain ourselves into the future. Now, that, that, that brings up a great point. I'll finish on this question because I think it's a very important one. Another thing that I hear coming up all the time now is the authentic brand, the brand that has real people, real personalities behind it. And you let your personality shine through as opposed to trying to disguise it behind some sort of a fake icon, some animated character. Um, Do you see a return to authenticity where people who created the product are going to be standing in the front telling their story as opposed to having some animated icon uh, weave a fake story? Does it matter if your soap, your dish soap uses uh, sort of make-believe characters to, to weave the story? Or do you need to have the real people who invented the soap telling their story? I think both can work depending on the voice of your brand. If you've got a founder character or a CEO character who's really compelling, like Richard Branson, Mm -hmm. then by all means, you want that character to be out front and you want him telling or her telling their story. But if you don't have that kind of character, trying to invent that kind of character is going to make your story fall apart. Mm -hmm. I think one of the big insights that we can see with social media is that when we tell our stories, what audiences do is they relate it back to their story. It happens all the time. If you're standing at a, in a cocktail party and you start telling a story, someone will immediately say, that reminds me of the time that. Mm-hmm. And, and actually research is showing that there's a, 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 a consistency in brain activity with hearing a story. So, for example, if I hear a story about someone picking up a glass of water, for example, the part of my brain that, that is responsible for picking up a glass will light up as if I'm experiencing that story just by listening to it. And so the power as a brand is when you tell engaging stories, you give the audience the opportunity to step into your story. And I think that's what we love so much about social media is that we can look and see every experience open to humanity is there available for us to try on and to live vicariously through. 
So by telling engaging, real, deep stories, we immediately pull our audience in and draw them to a really deep level. And that's a great place to build a connection with, to build a relationship from, and ultimately that's going to lead to sales and all the business goals that, that underlie these deep relationships. Fantastic. Well, I want to thank you for sharing this very, very deep, deep, deep information and in-depth information. Now, if people want to get a hold of you and talk more about this, where do they go? What do they do? Well, you can get me at jordanbauer.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-B-O-W-E-R.com. And I should mention that I'm on the verge of releasing a very big story myself. A couple years ago, I walked across America from Canada to Mexico down the West Coast, talking to thousands of people about stories and storytelling. And along the way, had a pretty exceptional adventure myself. I'm on the verge of releasing this big story towards the end of this, this summer, and I would love to share it with you and some of your listeners. So if you're interested in learning more about it, come to my website, jordanbauer.com, and sign up for my newsletter. Now, and and hold, hold on, hold on. You, you said listening to it. Is this, this is going to be a podcast? Is this going to be a, a radio show? What's it going to be? It's going to be a podcast in addition to a book, but I've got some great stories. And a book. And a book. There's going to be a book, too. <laughs> and there's going to be a book. Wicked. <laughs> but the exciting part about this is that as I walked, I met so many people and talked about stories. And everyone's got a story, as you know. And so it was so powerful to have collected all of these stories and recorded a lot of them. So that's going to be a big piece that I'm excited to share with the world. I, I, I see, I see, I see movie. I don't know what I see. I see movie. I see. Yeah, there's got to be something in here. I just, it'd be wonderful if you if you could collect all you know the all the adventures that you had and just weave them together. I mean, you could have this could go forever. This thing, it'd be beautiful. I hope so. I hope I hope people like it. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that are learning from the past, looking to the future, and succeeding today. If you want to know more about Jordan Bauer, check him out at jordanbauer.com. And if you want to know what I'm up to, check me out at markstoybert.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>